You know, I think about Katie's open this morning, and you know, we have we have these two competing things in our lives that that are vying for our attention. And number one is us, and number two is the goodness of God. And that's kind of the way I think about it. And I, you know, we sing about the goodness of God chasing after us. Well, here's what's really good for us, church, and it's this: that we would be with the spirit of thankfulness always with eyes open and a heart ready to receive the goodness of God as we see it being expressed all around us in our lives, in our families, in our places of work, how He has absolutely blessed us with His goodness over and over again. And so it's my hope and trust that today you are seeing the goodness of God. Wendy, she just before I come up, she put my, her hand on my back and she said the Spirit of God is here. And, uh, and I celebrate that absolute truth that the Spirit of God is with us. And we're going to take a moment right now and pray and ask that He would move in the heart of each one that hears His Word it's being, as it's being declared. And uh, we're going to trust in Him to do the work today, okay? So let's pray. Father in heaven, we do love the truth that Your Holy Spirit is among us. Lord, I'm thankful that the moment, the moment that a person bows his or her knee to You in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that You give that person Your Holy Spirit. You pour Your goodness out into the heart of each one that does that. And now, Lord God, by the might and the power of Your Holy Spirit, with Your Word open before us, we recognize You as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus, You are the truth. And there is nothing that can change that. The work You did on the cross is true. We know what happened. And we receive that by faith these some 2,000 years later. And we're so thankful that You've given us Your Word that declares who You are. And so now, Lord, open our hearts to receive it. I pray that You would pour um, Yourself out through me now declaring your word and we pray this in Jesus name Amen well I suppose there are firsts for everything and I know right now some of you are saying no that's not true because King Solomon said as he penned there are no there's nothing new under the sun and uh, last year last year as we gathered outside of course all of our equipment was under there and uh, you sat here facing that way so you were the ones facing into the sun and we were facing you and now with the sun to your back I know it's cooler for you than it was last year um, but I am now staring directly into the sun I have never preached with a hat on and I did some research beforehand to make sure it was okay and I do know that it's okay I took my hat off when I knelt down to pray so we're, we're good there but uh, I am pretty sure I can preach with a hat on and Nothing new under the sun. I don't think any patriarch, um, any saint of New Testament or Old Testament that you would find in the Scripture ever preached with sunglasses on. Because I don't think they had sunglasses then. So while Solomon is right when he says there, there's nothing new under the sun, there are some things that we can have fun with that you know they didn't have access to. And so today... Um, I'm doing that for the first time ever, and it, in some regard, it makes me uncomfortable because I feel separated by you, from you, by these sunglasses, and I feel self-conscious with my hat on. But I'm sure the Lord will help me to get through that. And so here we are today. I am. I love this. When someone, I don't know who I was talking with the staff guys this week. Fourth of July happens to fall on Sunday. How many are going to show up today? And I'm like a hundred. 
And uh, it looks like everyone's here today. And so I know there are some that are camping and doing different things, and that's wonderful that we take the time to celebrate the freedoms we have in this great country of ours. And, uh, but it's also such a wonderful thing to see you all here as uh, we gather together to open the Word of God and celebrate the truth of who He is. And it's a wonderful thing that we can do it on July 4th. So listen to this. True freedom is what the, the title for our sermon today is. And, uh, and so I want to share a couple of truths with you as we get into this. And um, here's the first one. Truth is this, July 4th. How do we know this? Because it actually happened. There's no debate over whether or not July 4th, 1776 actually happened. It's the day when the 13 original colonies that made up the United States rose up against the tyrannical rule of Great Britain and said, we are no longer subject to you. We are declaring our independence. And... Uh, after the, fall, after the Revolutionary War, the United States was formed and uh, we were a new country. And we have benefited from that in so many magnificent ways. And we could sit here today and go over and over and over the many, many things. But the one I want to declare t- to you today, the, the greatest freedom we have right now that we should never, ever take for granted is that we're able to do this very freely without any concern with someone come and shaking us up, we get to celebrate the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ together as we worship freely. Here's another truth. We can't say that it's actually true because it hasn't happened yet, but I can pretty close come to guaranteeing you this, that the United States of America will not be what it is today 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years from now. The United States of America is not today what it was 50 years ago. It's continuing to change, and I would dare say like any other nation or empire in the history of mankind, it's hard for me to think that the United States of America will continue on forever and ever until Jesus comes back. It might, but we don't know that. Truths about us as American citizens. We celebrate our freedoms that we have here in this country, But there's something greater for us as Christians. This is our flag, our Christian flag. Here's a truth, and we know it's true because it actually happened. Somewhere around A.D. 30, A.D. 33, began or became the Christian's Independence Day. And it's the day that the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, chose to to permit the Father in agreement with the Father, subject to the will of God the Father, and go to the cross to pay the penalty for the condemnation we deserved, and through that He earned for us, He paid for us the freedom that we can have through relationship with Jesus Christ. He freed us of our sins. He freed us from everything that enslaves us. And as as Paul says in Romans chapter 6, That sin, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, sin no longer will have dominion over you. Because we are now under grace. It's not dependent on you to live a perfect and sinless, sin-free life. Everything now is dependent on the cross of Jesus Christ. What was done for you. That is our independence. That is the truth. Here's another truth. While we cannot guarantee that the United States will live forever, ever, be forever... There is the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that will go on forever. As it was prophesied when Jesus came in Luke chapter 1, He's going to be great and He will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord will give the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. His kingdom to his kingdom there will be no end. That is a freedom that I cannot imagine. That is a truth I cannot imagine living without. Kingdoms come and kingdoms go, but one thing is for sure, and that is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will continue on, as will His kingdom. That's a truth. Being American versus being Christian. It would be my great hope for this church, for Summit Church, that our freedom in Christ would be a bigger deal to us than the freedoms we get to experience here in the United States of America. True freedom. That's true freedom. The person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. Today, true freedom. It's a freedom that can never be taken away. And so with that in mind, will you turn with me now to John chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse um, 31. We're going to spend some time there. Verse 31 through 38. And this is where Jesus declares this truth. That if you are willing to receive the truth of the person of Jesus Christ, He will set you free. And if the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. True freedom. Here we go. Starting at verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered Him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have heard from your Father. True freedom, spoken of and through by the Word of God. So when I read through this passage, I come to three questions that we really need to answer today. Here's the first one. Three big questions. The first one is, what is truth? Verse 31, Jesus says to the Jews, He was wrangling once again with the Jews. Some who apparently... It's still standing. Some apparently who claimed they believed in the word of Jesus Christ and what he was saying, actually were proving to, while they, they heard the words, it really hadn't sunk into their hearts and they actually received it as being actual truth. And he says this to them, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, if you receive the words of my mouth, then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. The truth. And the truth, that's what will set you free. Now, when I hear those words, my mind goes back to a famous question asked by an individual that had the power to either release Jesus, some ten chapters later in the book of John, he had the power to release Jesus 
or to send him to his crucifixion, and that man's name was Pilate. And while Jesus is talking to him, Pilate says to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answers, You say that I am a king. For this purpose, Jesus said to Pilate, For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So anyone, it's kind of crazy, anyone whom the Word of God is able to abide in, they are the ones that will be able to receive the truth that comes from that Word. And then Pilate says this, what is truth? There are things that are true, and there are things that are true that are pushed around by man's opinion. Let me see if we have a few here. I want you to think about this. I believe that Chevy is a better truck than Ford. That's my truth, and I hear Ford lovers out there laughing at that one, but that's my truth. You can't challenge me with that because that's what I believe in regard to trucks, that Chevy is the better truck. Now, now listen to how that's pushed around by man's opinion. That's my opinion. But it's a truth to me. How about this one? Coke versus Pepsi. I believe that Coke is the better soda, or pop, for those of you who are from Michigan, is a better soda than Pepsi. But here's what's crazy about that. While that's my current truth today, when I was a kid, it was not. I preferred Pepsi over Coke. So even in that, my truth has changed. And so I don't even know how to debate that one with you because I can accept the truth that you might like Pepsi better than Coke. Truth can change. Let's get a little more personal. There are some that believe homeschooling is the better way or a private Christian school is a better way than to send your kids to public school. And there are some that would say public school is a better option for your kids and necessary for, and on and on it goes. Everyone has their own opinion about what is best, and that is an expression of their truth. Listen to the Declaration of Independence. The second, the second paragraph, or excuse me, the second sentence says this, and I know you've heard this before, we hold these truths to be self-evident. So already it's declaring truths are self-evident. To who? I'm going to leave that question hanging. Self-evident to who? I might be stepping on some uh, nationalist toes right now with this, but it's one to wrestle over. We hold these truths to be self-evident that men are created equal that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. We're going to come back to that. Unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So as an American citizen, it is you have every right to pursue life, to pursue liberty, and to pursue happiness as what? It depends on you. I believe the Bible declares to us that apart from Christ, we don't have anything. Our only right as, a belief, as, as people who stand before God, not our U.S. government, our only right is this, condemnation because of who we are apart from Jesus Christ. You, though, as an American citizen, have every right to pursue life as you see fit, happiness as you see fit, 
and liberty as you see fit. But what happens when you have 320 million different perspectives of how life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is supposed to happen? You get what the United States of America is on July 4th, 2021, in everything we're facing. Truths that are pushed around by the opinions of mankind. These are not truths. How about this one? All gods lead to the same place. We believe that to be heresy, but there are those that believe that is true. And so how do we settle this, Christian? How do we settle this brother and sister in Christ? This is how we settle it. There is one truth, and I'm going to define it three ways, but they're all the same thing. Okay? Here's the first one. What is truth? So I'm answering Pilate, just as Jesus did. Here's the answer. The person of Jesus Christ is truth. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, I am the way God declares... Jesus declares, I am the way and I am the truth. The person of Jesus Christ is truth. Number two, the work of Jesus Christ is truth. How do we know it's true? Because it actually happened and was recorded by individuals who witnessed it. Including Peter who in Acts chapter 2 declared this, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God through mighty works. He proved himself through mighty works, wonders, signs, wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. That's what he's saying to the Jews that were listening. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. He's the one that you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And then God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. The work of Jesus Christ is truth. How do we know that? Because it was declared by those who see it, who saw it, in the Word of God, it actually happened. Jesus is the truth. The work of Jesus is the truth. And the Word of God, the Word of Jesus Christ, is also truth. And these are all the same. Because in John chapter 1, the first two verses of John's Gospel, the one we're in today, in the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This book is the declarative word of the person of Jesus Christ and everything, every word, every recording in this book points to the person of Jesus Christ. This is Summit Church's foundation. You know what? The enemy right now could be pushing in on you. And You know, did God really say? Did He really say this? 2,000 years later, how can you really know that this Bible has been preserved? Well, we're not going to wrangle over that. We're just going to simply put it this way. Summit Church believes this to be the inspired Word of God. And this is our source of truth that we pursue with all our might. Amen. It's everything that our pillars stand on, the Word of God, which is Jesus. Jesus, which is the Word of God. It's where we get our mission and our reason for being.
That's what truth is. Jesus Himself, the work He did on the cross, and His Word. This is what the truth is, and this is the very thing that will set you free if you are willing to receive what that truth is. So the big question, the next one is, okay, so what does this have to do for me? Or what does this have, what does this truth have to do with me? And so leading, I know that's another question, but it's kind of a transitional question to this one. So if the truth is to set me free, what am I enslaved by? What is it that enslaves you? All right. Now, this is a message. This is a question that both the believer in Jesus Christ, the one who has received the truth, and the one who has not, this question is the same for each one of us. Look at verse 33. They answered him. What enslaves you? They answered him. We are offspring of Abraham, the Jews said to Jesus, and have never been enslaved to anyone. Pause. You know when you're really worked up over something, you're willing to make statements that aren't actually true? Well, that never happened to me. That's what they're doing right here. The Jews say they were never, right here, they're saying we were never enslaved by anyone. We are offspring of Abraham. Where did they spend 400 years in captivity? Egypt. That God rescued them from. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Hey, listen, we are Americans, right? Sounds like something we would say. We have never been enslaved by anyone. But Jesus cuts right to the heart. He gets past nationality. He gets past your American flag. And He goes right to the heart and He cuts to the heart. And this is what He says. Verse 34, Jesus answers them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin and needs the truth of God to penetrate their hearts. To the unbeliever, maybe you have no idea what you're enslaved to. Well, here's a reality that apart from Jesus Christ, you are enslaved to you. And this is who you are. Romans chapter 3. Hold on a second. This is who we are. Both the unbeliever, the one who has yet to receive the truth, and the one who has received the truth. Apart from Jesus Christ, this is true. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one, no one understands, no one seeks after God. All have turned aside, together, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throats are, throats are an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Now listen to this, and I want you to measure your heart as I read this next verse or two. Or three. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. What causes your mouth to speak with curses and bitterness? That's what you're a slave to. Their feet are swift to shed blood. When you don't get your way, you get angry and you lash out. And verse 16, 16 says, And their paths are ruin and misery. And verse 17 says, And the way of peace they have not known. Measure your heart. What does peace look like in your heart? Because ultimately, apart from Jesus Christ, we and the truth that He is, we are enslaved to ourselves because this is who we are. And I believe there would be some that would say, we are Christians, we are not enslaved to anything. 
And I say, yeah, right. While we stand absolutely both feet and all of our being in the eternal kingdom of Jesus Christ, the one that He has dominion over that will last forever and ever, yes, we are claimed by Him and we are eternally saved, we still know, brother and sister in Christ, that there are things that we continue to reach out for and go after. These sins that we still, while Jesus sits on the throne of our hearts, we still have these sins that we love to go after. The Apostle Paul knew it in Romans chapter 7, and he declared it. I don't understand why I do the things I do. The very thing I want to do, I don't have the power to do that. And the thing I don't want to do, that's the one I so easily go after. And he says, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of destruction, from this body of death? He says, praise be to Jesus. And the first verse in Romans chapter 8 says, there is now therefore no condemnation. There is freedom. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Freedom. So, Christian, what is it that enslaves you? Maybe you need some help. I remember having a conversation with an individual a long, long time ago in my home back in Chambersburg. Galatians chapter 5 says that we're called to freedom, brothers. We are freed because of the work of Jesus Christ that He did on the cross. But then Paul says to the church of Galatia, he says, but don't use that freedom as an opportunity to continue in your sin. We love our sin. Admit it. You love it. You hate the consequences, but you love how it makes you feel. Let's see what Scripture has to say about what the sins are that enslave us. And I know you're like, please don't read the list, Todd. Please don't read it because I know you're going to read one that touches my heart. Well, it's not me. It's the Word of God, so we're going to read it. Galatians chapter 5 says that the works of flesh are evident. It begins with this one, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He goes on to say, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is it that enslaves you? Here's mine. Have you ever found yourself in a place where it seems like absolutely everything irritates you? Like, and there is no reason for it. Like, your spouse does, and you're like, what the heck? Why did that irritate me? There is no sense in it. Why is it when my place of work doesn't respond the way I think it should, or people that work there? There is no reason for me to be in the, on the front edge of a fit of rage as I am impatient with the way things are going. And this is what it boils down to, and I believe that you and I might have something in common with this. Our convenience is being disrupted. We don't like it when convenience is being disrupted. So for me, 
if and things like these it's my convenience that is such a problem for me when it's interrupted because things aren't going the way I want them to so moment of confession this is your pastor one of your pastors I like to be on time no matter who I'm meeting in this past Thursday I was going to meet an elder Dennis Stewart one of our elders for lunch and Thursday turned out to not be a day that I expected as it relates to the schedule I had my convenience this is the way I want things and uh, so I made sure I got my run in and as I was coming home um, in order to, to take a shower to go and meet and, and my time was planned out just right I finished my run I get home I take a shower I get in the car and I go meet Dennis and we have lunch well I'm pulling up to a stop sign and I'm watching this lady walk, walk her dog and you know how sometimes the sidewalk pushes off the crack she tripped and she fell guess what I need to be on time for my lunch with Dennis it would have taken me 45 seconds to stop and make sure she was okay now she got up she brushed her knees off and she was on her way yet the Lord convicted me in the moment why didn't you ask a simple question it would not have disrupted your day it would not have been an infringement on your convenience what you find to be convenient and guess what Dennis said to me when I got there he said I've been alright if you'd have been late and I'm like thanks a lot Dennis I know that but you don't need to add to my conviction that he did and I deserved it but for real it's my convenience when I read this list while there are others in there that have been a struggle in the past that even still are a struggle today I add this one to list in my convenience so so measure this this way you determine what that thing is that enslaves you right now and I want you to think Jesus Jesus enables you to live for the next thousand years and you give in to the temptation to go after that desire that's in you and act out on it over and over and over and over and over again for a thousand years think about how you feel today when you battle with it the way you do today and imagine doing that for a thousand years what would you look like at the end of those thousand years not your outward appearance but your heart what would it look like if you entertained that for the next thousand years we have this truth in the person of Jesus Christ that sets us free from stuff like that we have a truth in Jesus Christ that he went to the cross to set us free from stuff like that we have the Word of God that declares the person of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross that sets us free from things like that we have the truth set against the thing that enslaves you that will set you free and so that brings us to a third and final question and this is it how and where does Jesus's word need to find a place in you because look at verse 37 now he says I know you're offspring of Abraham I know you're an American yet you seek to kill me why they were set against the person of Jesus Christ and the truth he stood for because it flew in the face of what they wanted and so they sought to kill him and he said this is why because my word finds no place in you my word finds no place in you how and where does the how do how and where does Jesus's word need to find a place in you yes let's celebrate the truth 
that the Holy Spirit of God abides in us. We are saved forever in His eternal kingdom. Yet there are these sins, I believe, that some of us still deal with that enslave us. And so let's, let's paint a picture like this, okay? Imagine now, you have given Lordship of Jesus Christ to your life. You've submitted to Him. He is sitting on the seat of your heart, the throne of your heart, and He has saved you. He's declared you forever in His kingdom. Nothing can snatch you out of His hand. Yet, so the, the, the Word of God is abiding in your heart. Yet, as He sits on His throne, He is reaching into the deepest recesses of your heart where it's really, really dark. And those places where you don't want anyone to see. If you are refusing to permit the hand of God to reach into those dark spots of your heart, you are not permitting the Word of God to reside and to abide in those portions of your life. And you are not free from that. It is time to let the Word of God find its place in your heart. It is time to let Him shine the light of Jesus Christ into all areas of your heart and let Him set you free from the very things that enslave you. And if you have yet to permit the person of Jesus Christ to have lordship over your life, now is time to let that truth, the truth of who He is, set you free from now until forever or more and for the rest of eternity. And so how is the truth of Jesus Christ setting you free today, Christian? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you and we're so thankful for this amazing truth. This truth, Lord, that you have given us that sets us free. The truth of who you are, Jesus, and the work you did on the cross. And thank you for your word that you have placed before us that declares to us who you are. Lord, for the one who has yet to receive this truth, I pray, Lord, that you would soften their heart and make your way in. For the one, Lord, that has given you lordship um, over their lives, yet are still reluctant to let you reach into those dark places of their heart, Lord, I pray that they would turn that over you to you. Let the abiding and living Word of God have its way in their hearts and give them freedom from that which enslaves them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about ready to leave this place, but so great to respond and to cherish the great freedom that we have in Christ. So let's stand on our feet. Do you have words in front of you? Sorrow ended my sin. Lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested, and my life began. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. Arrested in my life.
for the kids over here under the overhang maybe some big kids too have a great time together we're so grateful that you're here let's just go out in prayer and let's thank god for this freedom that we have and also for this nation that he's placed us in god thank you for the things that you've done throughout history to birth to to build a place to inspire men to to birth a nation that would give us the the freedoms to be able to express our love for you that would place value and dignity on every person that you would that you would cause great men and women to, to give their lives for to, to uphold. And God, we don't we don't worship a country this morning, but we do give you great gratitude and thanks for placing us in this unique time and season. So God, quicken in the hearts of every person the work that you have put them on this earth to do. 
Help us be a grateful people. Help us be a people that are led by the spirit of truth and the living word of God. Help us be a people that declare shamelessly the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout this land. In your great name we've said, amen. Hey, you are loved, Summit Church. Amen.